Hello everyone and welcome to Six Pack of Facts, a weekly way of expanding your brain, six refreshing facts at a time. My name is Alex and this week we've got a classic board game duo for you. It's the Blitzkriegy Queen's Gambit Rook Knight Queen Pawn Move Hungarian Defense. I know nothing about this game, basically. It's chess. And it's sometimes thought of as a younger brother, or is it checkers? Let's do it. To understand the origin of chess, we need to go back about 1500 years to India and focus on a game called Chaturanga. Chaturanga is thought to be the earliest predecessor of chess, but interestingly, the exact rules of the game aren't known. What is sure is that the name Chaturanga roughly translates to four limbs in Sanskrit. This refers to the four divisions of the Indian army at the time and the shape of the pieces each player had on a Chaturanga board. Infantry, elephantry, cavalry, and chariots. Each player didn't just have four pieces though. A foot soldier moved and captured just like a pawn in modern chess. An elephant could move diagonally two squares, later becoming the bishop in chess. The horse moved just like the knight in chess. The chariot moved just like the rook in chess. The minister moved diagonally one square, later becoming the much more powerful queen in chess. And the king moved just like a king in chess. Other than that, the rules and gameplay are a bit murky and lost to time. Most historians think that there wasn't a checkmate and that an opponent's king had to have been captured to end the game. Similarly, stalemates might have not existed either, forcing an on-the-run king to eventually attack to force a capture. In the game of chess, and tons of other games too, you might come across something called an ELO rating. That's E-L-O for those of you who can't, you know, see my script right now. But what does it stand for? Nothing. It actually comes from Arpad Elo, a Hungarian-American physics professor and chess master who was born in 1903. Before the Elo rating, the U.S. Chess Federation used something called the Harkness system. After a while, however, it became clear that something a bit more statistically sound was needed. So the Chess Federation turned to our pod. Now, there's a pretty complicated mathematical equation that serves as the core of the ELO system, and math is definitely not my forte, but the gist of the system goes like this. An ELO rating is inferred from players' wins, losses, and draws against other players, meaning a player's rating depends not just on their own performance, but their opponent's rating as well. After each game, the winner takes points from the loser, with the amount determined by the difference in the player's ranks. If the higher-ranked player wins, they take fewer points from the loser. If the lower-ranked player wins, they take a bunch of points from the loser. And if there's a draw, the lower-ranked player gets a few points from the higher-ranked player. In 1997, an IBM supercomputer named Deep Blue defeated world chess champion Garry Kasparov, at some point in the match, Deep Blue made a gutsy sacrifice that Kasparov interpreted as a brilliant tactic, one that seemed to hint at an incredibly advanced strategy. In fact, Kasparov cried foul 
and suggested there was a human Grandmaster making Deep Blue's moves behind the scenes. The move was a bug. Because of a programming error, Deep Blue, a computer capable of seeing hundreds of thousands of moves ahead, couldn't see anything in that moment. So, in digital desperation, Deep Blue chose a move at random. Such a surprising twist rattled Kasparov, and Deep Blue would eventually break the Grandmaster down until he shockingly forfeit the match. From killing kings to king me, it's time to move on from chess and dive into a little game of checkers. Checkers is an old, old game. Much older than chess, in fact. The exact date of its creation isn't known, but it was found to be played more than 5,000 years ago in the ancient city of Ur in Mesopotamia. Alkirki, a variation on the game, was played by ancient Egyptians on a 5x5 board about 1,500 years after that. That game lasted for thousands of years, until the French changed it by increasing the number of player pieces to 10 per side on a 10x10 board. This game was often thought to be a woman's social game, so it adopted the moniker Le Jeu Plaisant de Dame. But the game really broke through in 1756, when an English mathematician wrote a treatise on it. Then, with firm rules in place, checkers, or drafts as it's called in Europe, solidified its place as a board game staple. The game known as Chinese Checkers has a much less tasteful origin story. In the late 1890s, a British board game called Hoppity featured four players starting from the four corners of a square-shaped board. Eventually, the game made its way to Germany, where it was reworked and rebranded as Sternholma, meaning Star Hoppity. This version ditched the square and adopted, you guessed it, a star-shaped board with five players instead of four. But it wasn't quite racist enough just yet, so American toy company Pressman Co. injected a little distasteful early 1900s oriental mystique, he said with huge, gigantic air quotes, and released a version dubbed, and I feel bad for even saying this, Hop Ching Checkers. With the chop suey font and Fu Manchu imagery, it was bad. But it was also a hit, and other companies followed suit. In 1941, Milton Bradley trademarked the name Chinese Checkers, and it has persisted ever since. But let's end with something a bit more lighthearted, and super cool. The best Checkers player in the history of the game, undisputedly, was Marion Tinsley. Tinsley, a mathematics professor at Florida State University, lost only nine games of checkers after winning the world championship in 1955. He was so good at checkers that he forced a draw six times against a supercomputer capable of making three million calculations every minute. Checkers can get quite a hold on you, he said. Its beauty is just overwhelming. The mathematics, the elegance, the precision, it's capable of wrapping you all up. 
And there you have it, a little classic board game dynamic duo double punch for you in this episode. Thank you so much for listening. If you've enjoyed the episode, I know you get annoyed from me saying this, I'm sure, but consider leaving a rating and review on Apple Podcasts. It helps a lot, and it makes me feel good. I'm not going to lie. Until next week, as always, stay thirsty. Can't get enough of these refreshing facts? There are three easy ways you can help support the show. If you're listening through Apple Podcasts, leave a quick review. Then, make sure you're subscribed so you don't miss an episode. Then, share the show with a friend. The more, the factier. Stay thirsty.